Hey everybody, The Talking Book is a non-profit audiobook recording studio in Asheville, North Carolina. If you want to make an audiobook, go to thetalkingbook.org, that's thetalkingbook.org. Check out these amazing writers, narrators, indie publishers. Come to Asheville, we record books in a booth, here's the show. Welcome to the Talking Book Podcast. My name is Chris Hartram. I'm here again. I'm here in beautiful, sunny Asheville, North Carolina. It is sunny today. It was sunny today. From my window, I can see a Harris Teeter. I can see Trader Joe's. I can see Whole Foods. There are mountains behind the grocery stores, and there's a large egg-shaped cloud. An egg-shaped cloud. Looks like an egg next to the trees. Maybe it's just a bit of mist or fog, but it does look like it's an egg-shaped cloud. That's what I can see. Um, What do you see? What do you see over there? It was warm today. It was like 70 degrees. Uh, My buddy Freddie and I, we took the kids to the park. We practiced uh, karate, as we do. It was great. I live in an apartment, so, uh, you know, I got... Max, who's five, and Woody, who's three. And boy, oh boy, is it nice to be out in the sun. Man, love it. Anyway, today, we'll hear a reading from Avital Gadsaikman in her forthcoming novel, Quero Quero, which is a novel set in Brazil, where she has lived for the past 30 years. She is from Israel. Quero Quero deals with uh, emotional strife and survival uh, through a story of two adolescent girls during a time of political oppression. Segment stories have appeared in Glimmer Train, McSweeney's, Prism International, Other Voices, Michigan Quarterly Review, uh, many other places. She's the winner of the Margaret Atwood Studies Magazine Prize. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. Um, please enjoy Avital Gad Segment reading from her forthcoming novel, Quero Quero. <laughs> Hello, I'm Avital Gadzikman, the author of the Flash Collection Life In, Life Out, published by Metapress, and the story collection Light Reflection Over Blues that will be published by Ravenna Press. I'm going to read to you from the beginning of my novel, Kero Kero, which means I want, I want. On the plains of rural Brazil, the way Leticia's family, the Pereiras, viewed life in the town of Dunas, or the old cinema town as it was known, each event was either worth a story or worthless. Most stories overflowed into one another and became a memory but some of them stayed unfinished long enough for Leticia to live them through. Other families, such as Isabella Silvera de Pradas, never told each other stories or viewed life through a legendary perspective. They lived in the Itacurubi, a 45-minute tractor drive away from the Pereira's town, and were struggling to survive. 180 days after baby Isabella first shared her palate with her twin brother Danilo, 
Leticia opened her eyes in a new rattan crib and tried to focus on the many faces smiling down at her. Only the deeply wrinkled Indian midwife who had helped both Isabella and Leticia's mother in their labor could admire the similarity between the soaring spirits heard in the girl's eager cries. When Isabella and Leticia passed finally crossed, the soul was already drying out in the fields surrounding Dunas and in the bean and corn plantations around Itakurubi. The arid hinterland hardly sustained the people in its tiny towns and villages. Leticia helped the grown-up raise a barrier of vegetation and dry bamboo around her house to mark the borders of the property against the push of nature. When she stumbled over loose twigs and fell against thorns or scratched her knees or hand, she petted the stinging spot and kept up with the others. Things had already worked that way, so she wasn't aware of any alternative and didn't expect more comfort. She lived surrounded by long rows of cashew trees and cactus where the insistent sand stretched its many fingers through the fences and tightened its death grip on the plants. Like other townspeople, Leticia was as tough as the weather. In 1971, when the girls turned seven, their lives started emerging like streams of flood water splitting and spilling around obstacles, then reuniting with force. All that year, the dust blurred their views and covered the skin like baby power, powder. This ground was so hard it couldn't absorb any rain and cracked like clay between long periods of drought. The garden azaleas, hibiscus and roses soon withered and Leticia worried about forgetting their colors. Later, when the world changed, Leticia reminded Isabella of the day they met, and Isabella recalled how the dirt streets of Itakurubi became rivers. That region was their center of the world. The rest of the country, fractured like the soil under a military government, remained almost irrelevant. The dunes threw sand in our eyes and we didn't know what hit us when it did. But then lightning opened the sky like a zipper, Leticia later said. Oh, you and your stories, Isabella replied with a toothy smile. That year, however, the rain that fell for seven consecutive days between their seventh birthdays was the last one for months and then a year and one another. It didn't save the land. That last downpour continued all night, snapping against the roofs. At dawn, the gravel road was full of streams and puddles, and voices rose with delight or worry and panic, and they cut into Isabella's sleep. She woke up pressed against the wall by the weight of her little sister. She held onto the loose thread of a dream, but it escaped. Sweat trickled down her back under her large t-shirt and itched. The rough wall separated her home, a one-room shack from Mauro and Matilde's bar, where laborers got their first dose of cachaça, the local fire water. 
Isabella's father used to drink there before he left the family. Now her mother frequented the bar every day after wear. In Dunas, Leticia stretched, her cousin to do a wiry boy with rusty hair and restless eyes came to pull her out of bed, cracking a fast smile. Itakurubi's flooded, there's no school, and your father wants me and you and Bia to go there with him, he announced. When it was a question of disaster relief, Leticia's stepfather, Adalberto, used his technical skills, and in times of natural calamity, he helped rescue people and objects. Despite her sonolence, Leticia sprang out of bed, hitting the floor too hard. She never missed an opportunity to look at streets and people. Later, she would daydream about them until their freshness became old and familiar. She grabbed her shorts and t-shirt and passed through the kitchen to fetch biscuits and water for the trip. Her mother's small radio transistor fanned a soft bossa nova song she could hum, but the battery had gone weak and the volume changed from high to low and was full of static. Love Brazil or leave it, said a voice. Then the music returned. She hurried out to the yellow tractor in front of the house, still humming the song Calici by Chico Buarque. The lyrics defied military censorship, as the title meant a calici and sounded like shut up. Hurry up, hurry, said Adalberto while helping the children climb onto the frayed seats. With the three of them safely squeezed together, he rode the noisy vehicle through the drenched plains for over an hour. Bia laughed as she bumped into her young brother or rubbed shoulders with Leticia. Leticia laughed too, swept away by Bia's jolly mood. Such glee never lasted long, since Bia cried just as easily. Adalberto braked into a halt in the middle of a nameless street in Takurubi. On one side, the hut stood on dry land. Down a slight slope on the other was a row of flooded shucks. I'll call you when I need your help, he told the children as he got off the tractor. Stay away from the contaminated water. Leticia studied the relatively dry shucks built with clay and plywood, rarely bricks. A muddy stretch of gravel separated them from the flooded street, now a river. The tractor, parked on a gravel road, overlooked the upslope houses that remained dry and the downslope huts sunk in water up to their windows. The grain front of a two-story sturdy bar built with bricks overpowered the poor patchwork of those constructions. A black-haired girl with olive skin burst out of this shack next to the bar, laughing aloud, jumped grandly into the water. Something about her made Leticia recall Cleopatra in a film that Grandfather Georgie had projected in the old cinema. Danilo? The girl yelled in a commanding voice. Like a queen, thought Leticia. A boy who looked at first exactly like Isabella came out of the shack, rubbing his eyes with his palms. What, Isabella, he asked. Dudu laughed. They're twins, he said, elbowing Leticia. Both twins had bright black hair that fell in shiny strands around faces with green olive-colored eyes freckled with brown and white noses above full lips. 
Yet the girl's face was so sharp and astute that it seemed illuminated from within, while the boy's was as sweet as a ripe mango. Isabella ran across the street and joyously splashed her way through knee-deep brown water until finding a hole sufficiently deep to immerse herself in. She re-emerged, agile and smooth, body slick with muck, shorts and t-shirt clinging to her like a second skin, and her white smile, a glinting arc against her mud-covered face. Hey, what are you doing? Dudu called to the girl. She looked up. You could get an infection, Bia warned her. But Leticia identified with Isabella's excitement. The land had been dry so long that this sudden surge felt strange and alluring, rather wondrous. Isabella raised two fingers to signal victory and turned around back into the mud pool in clear defiance, wild and powerful, a, a girl who listened to no one because everybody listened to her. Leticia tried to muster up courage. She wondered if the girl could help her remain erect in the mud if she jumped in too and slipped. The danger of infection was stronger if you swallowed water. But this girl could scare away any danger. Leticia landed well enough, reached down to the bottom to assess the depth of the cool muddy water and finally shoved her arms in it. Good jump! Isabella shouted. Leticia felt the glow of her own green and the beginning of a slide beneath her feet. She spread her arms to balance on the slippery soil. Okay? Isabella asked. Yeah, sure. Look, I found a necklace, Isabella said, raising a string of mud-spotted beads with a graceful gesture. Leticia waded through the water to join her as the girl rolled the beads between her long fingers, rubbing away mud to expose jewels that sparkled red, blue, and yellow. Like a rainbow, Leticia exclaimed. A rainbow, Isabella asked laughing. I found a rainbow, she shouted at the others. A rainbow, she repeated, looking at the beads. Leticia glanced upwards and saw Bia in tears and scrambling from the tractor, motioning for her to get out of the floodwater. Despite her urge to keep following Isabella, Leticia withdrew from the water onto drier land to stay on the safe side. Isabella dove back in. One by one, other children arrived and entered the river. They splashed water at each other, seeking to drench the children on the embankment and hitting Leticia too. Muddy bodies in shorts and sleeveless shirts bounced up and down. Across for them, families counted their losses, furniture, rugs, blankets, and household objects that the water damaged or carried away. School material, pads of paper, and food, all ruined. A man and a woman wept. An old woman wiped mud from a framed photograph. Four women stacked wooden furniture out in the sun. Leticia's stepfather kept working carrying soaked blankets and mattresses to the rooftops. A woman stepped out of the bar, flesh swaying like dunes under her tent flesh, tent dress. Raised on cinder blocks, the bar escaped being flooded. She bellowed, don't you get it, children? You'll get sick. Then she turned to Isabella as if the girl hadn't led the adventure. Tell them, little neighbor. 
Isabella signals thumbs up, and to Leticia admiration, two little girls obeyed the signal and joined Matilde. Nice going! Leticia called at Isabella just like Isabella had said, nice jumping. Isabella looked up, acknowledging the compliment with a nod. Treasure hunt, Isabella shouted. Dudu jumped from the tractor right into the water. I'll kill you, a female voice yelled. The gutter crowd moved as one and opened the way for a woman in short dress. She swung her arms for balance, high-heeled sandals sinking into the soil. Leticia shuddered her, uh, at her expression, hard with secrets and scorn. Isabella, the woman said sharply. Isabella stood studying the woman fish. Face around her, the gang of children, including Dudu, were hardly recognizable in their skins of mud. The girl's defiance captures Leticia's heart, even though Leticia was also slightly disgusted by her utter indifference to dirt. On the way back, Leticia sat quietly. She wanted to go back and run with Isabella at the head of a group of children. She felt her head explode with possibilities of adventures. She wouldn't tell her mother, grandmother, or aunts anything. But if Isabella could do whatever she wanted, why shouldn't she? She'd exchange secrets with Isabella and they would become great friends forever. That was Avitalgad's segment reading from her forthcoming book, Kero Kero. I hope you liked it. Her book, Life In, Life Out, from Matter Press, came out in 2014. And her second book, Light Reflection Over Blues, is forthcoming this year from Ravenia Press. My name is Chris Hartram, and The Talking Book is an audiobook recording studio in Nashville, North Carolina. And we also have a nonprofit, and we publish audiobooks, and we release excerpts from new books on this podcast. Go to thetalkingbook.org to learn more. That's thetalkingbook.org. Books from people like Sam Pink, Scott McClanahan, Al Nash, Brad Phillips, William Boyle, uh, Noah Cicero, Amy Fuselman, lots of people, Bud Smith, nice people, Brian Allen Ellis. Uh, but anyway, I hope you're having a great day. Wherever you are, I hope it's sunny. Uh, I hope it's sunny there today. I hope it's sunny tomorrow, maybe soon at some point or another. Thanks for listening to The Talking Book. Uh, have a nice one. Like a bishop who has forsaken sympathy Chasing sister squares I was lit before I Door was passing over, and the window. Of